Hello, I am Elliot Diebold. And I am Ruben Morehouse. Um, and we're bringing you this special episode because uh, some recent news has come to our attention and uh, we felt it was important that we share it with all of you because it's going to affect like this feed and, and our show and, and, you know, all of you. Yes, we have just received word that there is an asteroid on a collision course with Earth and it's likely to kill us all. With this in mind, we are turning to our planet's only hope. Join us as we look for a solution in the most holy of texts as we go deep in deep impact. Yes. Um, that's the end of the script that I wrote. So how do, how do we transition? Um, yeah, I mean, something we should bring up here as well. Um, we kind of over... Uh, we were overambitious with the pilot season schedule, or at least I was. Um, so there's a delay on that. So that's why you're not really hearing a pilot season episode here. Uh, we've had to delay Empire of the East a week and we've, we've shuffled things around and I, I've been a bit more realistic with what I can actually commit to. Thinking about it now, we could just have pretended that this is a pilot that somebody asked us to do <laughs> <laughs> and be like, yeah, I mean, this is our next pilot, guys. Um, yeah, well, okay, cut. Hi, I'm Ellie. <laughs> uh, no, we're... Uh... Cut here, yeah. Um, so what are we doing, Elliot? What's this episode? Yeah, so um, I guess in the spirit of pilot season, we are trialling a bit of a new format because I managed to watch this movie, but uh, Ruben, I guess, values Whoa. his time uh better and uh mm -hmm. didn't actually watch it so it's this is going to be me explaining deep impact uh to ruben as we go deep in deep impact sorry that's with an m right Elliot? i can't i i actually struggle i keep i went to google this movie after watching it and i typed deep impact like mm. it, my head has just broken now I, our pun has taken hold i can't actually yes. talk about the original movie um it is so for those of you who have been very confused by the title of our show for the past year and a half Deep Impact is a movie that apparently exists, and despite neither of us ever having watched it, we thought, that sounds like the kind of thing we could make fun of, so let's call our show Deep Impact, and now we're here. Well, we're just suckers for, for dumb puns, and the pun worked even if we hadn't seen the movie, so we went for yeah. it, um, yeah, and yeah. here we are having gone full circle. Yeah. Um, so, Deep Impact opens with Leo Bierdeman. Uh, who's played mm. by Elijah Wood, who, of course, we all know from, from Wilfred, yes. uh, who finds like something weird in his telescope at his high school uh, astronomy club. Um, uh, how old is this person? Uh, how old is Elijah Wood? Yeah, no, he's movie? like 15, 16. This, this is like oh, okay. mid-90s. Is, mid is this pre-Lord of the Rings? Yes. Oh, my God. It's pre-Wilfred, too. Like he's, he's from yeah, Wilfred. of course, his most oh. famous role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Dirk Gently. I, yeah, I prefer Dirk Gently, I was going to say. <laughs> Dirk Gently is Elijah Wood's famous role. Or, there was this movie with... And I'm, I would normally worry that we're getting off topic, but I don't really care <laughs> no, for this episode. I'm just go for say. it. <laughs> so if you guys care about us staying on topic, this is not the episode for you. There's this movie that I saw with Elijah Wood and the girl who plays um, Charlie Sheen's next door neighbor in Two and a Half Men. Do you know who I'm talking about? No idea. Her name is Rose in Two and a Half Men, and she's like a really good actress, but she's just uh, doesn't do that much. And just I'm just going to live Google this. Rose, Two and a Half Men. And the actress's name is... Oh, Melanie Linsky. That's it. Okay. Okay. So it's this movie... Hold on. I'm going to get the title of it here. Googling. Live <laughs> Googling. That's what you come to this show for. Um, so it's got Elijah Wood in it and Melanie Linsky. And genuinely, she's so, so good. And the name of the movie is... Mm, she's oh, She's in Wet Hot American Summer as well. Um, it's called like... Ah, oh, there it is. It's called I Don't Feel at Home in This World Anymore. It's like an original movie that was done by Netflix, I think. Such a good movie. Elijah Wood plays this like really scuzzy kind of like 
um, almost doomsday prepper character. Um, and Melanie Linsky's character, Ruth, her house is broken into at the start of the movie and she enlists his help because they're next door neighbours and she thinks that he looks tough to try and find the people who broke into her home and like exact revenge. And it goes really off the rails. Really, really good movie. I would thoroughly recommend it. Um, it's I don't feel at home in this world anymore. Okay. Yeah, that actually does sound pretty cool. And the, really po- good. the poster looks yeah. nice. Uh, I, yeah, I, I too am live Googling. Yeah. Um, anyway. Yeah, so back to Deep Impact. Um, yep. <sighs> so uh, Elijah Wood's character sends, like, a photo of this weird thing he found uh, to the local, like, professional astronomer. Um, and the astronomer takes, like, one look at it and and somehow predicts that it's going to collide with Earth. Um, yes. And he, he freaks out so much, he, he downloads it to a floppy drive. Uh, he, he rushes <laughs> into his car and, and he's driving, like, so recklessly in his rush to get this information out there that he actually dies in a car crash. Um, and then we cut to a whole year later. Um, and the asteroid is what? Sti- so the, the comet is still a year out. So I don't know why <laughs> so, this guy was okay. rushing. Well, and why has nothing happened in this year? Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. There's been some stuff happening, but like, I just oh, okay. like to point out this, this comet was two years away. This dude did not need to be rushing like this. I mean, um, if it's going to end the world, every moment counts, Elliot. I don't yeah. know if I agree with this. Yeah. Like, if, yeah. if someone said to you, oh, the world's going to end in two years, is your reaction, oh, that's two years away. That's a ton of time. I'll probably be dead by Well, the anyway. first thing I do is join the wards. Yeah. Um, yeah, fair enough. Um, yeah. No, so I guess... <laughs> and try and hunt down Jack <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Is that the joke you Yeah, that's, yeah okay. that's the joke I was going for. It just clicked for me. Yeah, sorry. sorry. Um, yeah. Yeah, uh, no, I, I mean, I guess so. The the other thing is as well, they actually do, like, so they, they know that the comet's coming in this year later and the comet is actually named after this astronomer who died and Elijah Wood's character because nice. the only reason that they sucks. know about the comet is because they found the floppy drive in, like, the car crash, which what, this car... What was Elijah fucking, Wood doing for the past year? Uh, well, that, that's a separate issue, but the thing is, this car fucking blows up. Like, this is like, you oh, know, really? it's, a, it's a 90s action movie, right? So this yeah, car, yeah, yeah. it falls down the hill and it explodes but somehow this floppy disk was was fine they don't um, make them like they and, used to elliot everyone knows that but the other thing is nobody else found this comet it's big enough that like a kid in high school can see it on his telescope and it still took them like six months to find this floppy disk in a car crash to know yeah. it existed so um, wait good, yeah good work so, american government if a comet was actually coming for earth would people like are there scientists whose job it is to like <laughs> check that we're not gonna die from a comet in, like, apparently not years? i mean is look, that, this is, is like a real thing this is a shitty popcorn film i like i probably shouldn't get bogged down in making no, fun of the, of the now like how do I know that, like, is there no, like, regulatory body out there? Because there's people, like, monitoring earthquakes and shit and, like, you know, monitoring all the natural disasters. And, I, like, I know if some freak tsunami was going to come and, and wipe me away in Sydney, which obviously is very, very unlikely, but let's say that was going to happen, there would be people whose job it would be to, like, notice that and yeah. tell people, right? Well, well, I think but the, does that apply for comets? I, th- I think people would, would notice. Like, I mean, we've got NASA, SETI and stuff, right? Like... Yeah, and People they're obviously, like, scanning a lot of shit, yeah. I think the problem is, like, you're generally more worried about asteroids because they don't really give off any light. You you may not notice them until they're crazy close. Yes, um, and and just for all the listeners out there who may not know, the difference between an asteroid and a comet is... Uh, whether it's got whether a tail. Whether it's got a tail, yeah, exactly. That's what <laughs> I was going to say. That's the scientific term. Um, anyway, so, yeah, so, sorry, we, we've cut to a year later. Um, mm-hmm. The asteroid is still a year away, 
And uh, we now meet um, a MSNBC journalist called Jenny Lerner, who's played by mm-hmm. Tia Leone, who, of course, we all know from Jurassic Park 3, uh, the best Jurassic Park. Um, and she's investigating the Secretary of the Treasury or some other politician-y sounding title. Uh, this guy's like resigning um, because he says his wife's sick and she doesn't believe him. Uh, and she, this whole segment is basically built around the joke that she finds out there's some secret in his life named Ellie and she thinks he was having an affair, but it turns out Ellie is just a like a mishearing of ELE, which is extinction level event. And this guy's retiring to be with his family because they've just figured out the comet's coming and they're probably all going to die in a year. Uh, and he's not like this secretary guy isn't allowed to go public with that. So he's just trying to retire and spend time with his family. How um, much of this movie does this part take up? Oh, a good 15 minutes of the Yeah, because it's 90. taking up about a proportional amount of our notes here. <laughs> and it's really not important. You know that, right? Like, I could have deleted that whole paragraph in the notes. I don't think you even would have noticed. Um, No, because it's 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 super important because it's this one pun that takes up, like, a, a, you know, a sort of 15 to 20% That's of the true. movie. We, we did name our, <laughs> our, our podcast, our most popular podcast, over a stupid pun. So I, I guess I'm... yeah it's the pot calling the kettle black a bit here isn't it <laughs> um yeah Any, anyway but so the, this reporter kind of she accidentally ends up meeting the president because they think she knows about the comet but she still thinks it's a an affair oh um, so they're trying to keep it secret yes yes and so nobody else knows about this and they think she knows but she actually doesn't um and and so she's just sort of playing at kg because she realizes something's big bigger is up and and she meets the president who's played by morgan freeman who of, yep, course, of course we all remember from now you see me too yep. um Beast and role yeah and he because he thinks she knows about it he decides to announce that it's coming in 48 hours um and, and so then we kind of cut to him 48 hours later that was their plan like they knew about the comet for whatever six months whatever yeah and their plan was let's not tell anybody and everyone will just die suddenly or there'll be like maybe what half an hour of panic and then everyone will just die anyway they had contingencies and they were expecting it to leak eventually so they were sort of prepared but wait yeah this is where he announces like their plans so he basically says hey this comet's coming um but we have like a kick-ass crew of astronauts who we've given a bunch of nukes to and it's like this team mm-hmm. up between america and russia which i guess was still a big deal in the mid 90s yeah i guess that makes sense um so they're going to team up they're going to send these astronauts who are going to land on the comet um uh, bury Elliot, a bunch of nukes to, in it and, and just to call you out quickly i think it is a big deal now a uh, team up between that's the US fair. and Russia. Like, That's fair. It's pretty big news at the moment, <laughs> the, the potential team-ups between the US and Russia. That's and fair. And the, the uh, potential implications of those team-ups, let's say. Yeah, okay. That's that's a good point. It's always um, big news. But for different reasons now. Yes. Um, yes. Anyway, yeah. So so they're going to send some some astronauts up there to, to blow it up, basically. Um, I just I just want to point out, so something that happens here is they, they think that Elijah Wood's character, because they, they know that the, the astronomer who found it his name was wolf um like from elijah wood's character's photo he named the astro or the comet uh the wolf biederman comet uh after Mm. like elijah wood's character somehow the fbi and cia have thought that elijah wood was an actual scientist who also died in the car crash with dr wolf yes because Um, of the biederman presumably yes exactly so they so they announced that uh biederman who discovered it is dead and so all these people (laughs) rush to elijah wood's house to make sure he's all okay including this girl sarah who he has like a big crush on Mm. um and she 
she then delivers what I think is the best line in this movie where it's like, this is where she's finally starting to see him as someone like cool. Uh, and you know, that's a big deal because he has a crush on her. And she says, nobody in astronomy club has discovered the end of the world before. Um, which is just like, who wrote that line? <laughs> that's such hey, a whack thing to say. It's fine. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but like the way it's delivered, I think it's, ge- it's, it's meant to be genuine. Like it's not her cracking wise. It's it's oh. her like being genuinely like, awestruck that he's discovered that the he's... end of the world, and nobody yeah. in astronomy club has done that before. What would you do, Elliot, if somebody you knew had discovered the end of the world? Would that make you attracted to them? Is that an attractive yeah. thing to have discovered <laughs> the end of the world? I'm trying to think through it. Like obviously, yeah, there's ramifications it to it. Yeah, like if someone had discovered like the cure for can- okay, so on the list of things to discover, right? <laughs> cure for cancer. If you discover the cure for cancer, you become like 20% more attractive, 50%, somewhere, whatever. Some yeah. amount more. If you discover, what's the most unattractive thing to, like hmm. nutritional, I apologize for It's the first thing I thought of. Potential nutritional value of, of fecal matter, right? Okay. You've discovered that. And if someone discovered that, obviously the first question that everyone asks is, did that person just eat their own shit and then <laughs> found out that there was nutritional value to it, right? Like, that's what I would think if I heard that. So that's the most unattractive thing you could discover, right? Well, yeah, but Elijah would become famous because he's got the comet named after him and, like, news people talking to him. So it's more like just because he's general famous. Right. Like, in fact, the you, the guy from Veronica Mars and iZombie... Um, the dad? No, 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 no. It's um, it's it's one of her love interests. The the like the bad boy one from Veronica Mars. It's been years since I watched. It. I can't. Remember. <laughs> a lot of the shows us just googling people. Okay, Veronica <laughs> yeah. Mars. What's the character name? I can't remember. It's been so long since I watched it. All right, hold on. Veronica Mars, IMDb. What was the like relationship? Um, oh, I, I'm pretty sure they get together. Um, at some point in the show. Veronica Mars boyfriend. Okay, Veronica Mars boyfriend. I, I, I could be wrong about Veronica that. Um, it's Logan. Is it Logan Eccles? Yes. Okay. Um, played Logan by Eccles. Jason Doring. Um, yeah. Anyway, so he's in it, and it's like a very young him. And he, he I don't yeah. even recognize him. Google yeah. him, guys. Tell me if you recognize <laughs> him. I don't recognize him. Anyway, he has a big thing where he's like, "Oh, uh, Leo, you're gonna get so much sex now." And then it's like very scandalous because he says this at a high school. Anyway, so but that's that's when. <laughs> anyway, after he says uh, this, Elijah Wood just like looks at Sarah for like an ups- upsettingly long time. Nice, good on you, Elijah. <laughs> um, anyway, so then. Now we now we actually start to meet the astronauts who are going to nuke this this thing and it's like this this is like a very American national pride storyline that we have going yeah. on here like you know they're having yeah. a barbecue party thing and they're all, like all their families are just like obnoxiously is it Fourth of July? It may as well have been. Um, it, it's like it's very American branded. Um, mm. Anyway, they so they actually go up. And I'm just going to sort of summarize something because this is the this is the least interesting plotline to me. Um, they all they, they actually fly up in their spaceship, um, also known as a space shuttle. Uh, they go to the comet and it's just space fact for you there. <laughs> um, and anyway, they they kind of fail. Their drills get stuck um, drilling into the comet. It doesn't quite work. So all they manage to do is split the comet in half. Mm. Um, both halves are still on a trajectory for Earth, um, which is like super unfortunate if you think about what blowing things up is like. Um, yeah. So, so it's now in two pieces. The small one is called Beardman, uh, and it's like nice. a kilometer long, and the other one's called Wolf, and it's six or seven, actually, sorry, miles, six or seven miles long. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's actually a, a big difference. Um, anyway, so they're both still coming for Earth. Um, so we cut back to Earth, and uh, President Morgan Freeman sort of gives a 
big speech about how he's going to keep the economy afloat as everyone's panicking about the end of the world. Okay. And honestly, this whole segment is a bit too real given like, the who world events. Who needs the economy to be kept afloat? Well, because they're still, they're still not... I don't, look, I don't know, because it's still, it's still like six or seven months out, the, the asteroid. I thought it was 48 point. hours away. No, 48 hours is when they were going to announce that it was real. Like, they, it was still a secret. Oh, the, the 48 hours is like... In 48 hours, they were going to say, oh, by the way, there's an asteroid. And that's and that's what they did. No, so this is like, they've blown it up in half. It's still a couple of months away. Yeah. And um, so the president is like, don't worry, the economy's going to be safe. It, it's very, like, he starts talking about, like, the prices of essentials, like like water bottles. And he he, he may as well have said toilet paper. Toilet paper, uh, yeah. it's, it's a bit real. Um, yeah. But basically, what they've, what they've got is they've made these caves that they're going to be able to survive in. So um, 200,000 people have been selected based on their qualifications and there's going to be a lottery to put another 800,000 people into the shelter um, to mm. preserve like the American way of life. Um, Wait, so... Oh, so this is just Americans. Are, are yeah. other countries doing their yes, own Yes, other countries have their own systems. Uh, cool. They don't really get into it because what do other countries matter? Um, mm. I mean, the system though for the 200,000 people who get in for their qualifications it's clearly a joke because uh the first person we find out who has made this list is leo beardeman the fucking high school kid who accidentally discovered the comet can um, you imagine <laughs> being a nerdy high school kid and you get bullied in america because this is a 90s movie and that's how high schools worked in 90s movies in america yeah and then your name is on the comet that's going to destroy <laughs> the world like what a shit world what a shit school life this kid would have had for those six no months. it makes him really cool in the school how could it possibly it, make he, you... he becomes I, like a celebrity it's... there's no way oh yeah you're the guy who is gonna kill the world yeah i love that kid it was in the killer. news um anyway yeah so he's in the news yeah but he's in the news for a shit like someone who's in the news for like committing a crime doesn't become super popular they have like i'm sure they have some weirdo fans but it's like they it's not you know, it's not like a popularity booster to be in the news for a shit thing. Well, you say that, but that's exactly what happens. So in this movie, I, I, yes. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah, you're right, and because it happens in this movie, obviously it's true. Yeah, I mean, this is this is one step away from being a documentary. Yeah. Um, so anyway, <laughs> basically, Leo gets really upset because um, Sarah and her family don't get to go. So he kind of figures out if he marries her. Um, he can use his pull that he gets for being the person who discovered the comet to get her and her family also into the shelter. Um, and I, I mostly bringing this up because his actual, he, he then proposes to her and his proposal is, and this, this is word for word. You've got to marry me. This is the only way you survive, which is if that just is the huh. most romantic proposal I've yeah. ever heard. It, it, like genuinely... I had this on in the background while I was doing other stuff. I'm not going to lie. I actually sort of rewound and watched it because the way he said it, it made it sound like a threat. It didn't. Was did. it a threat? It does sound like a threat the way you said it as well. Well, it just, it was like, yeah, it, it, the, the dissonance you have while watching that line is just insane because I was like, that sounds more like a threat than a loving proposal. Um, but it works, which is a good thing. Can I ask you a question, Elliot? Yeah. What do you think about Elijah Wood in general? Um, I mean, I'm pro. Pro? I, pro yeah. Elijah Wood? I think he feels like he's kind of a divisive figure. Not for any real reason, just because he's a, kind of a weird guy, right? Like, he feels like he's... And here's what I want to talk about. Is he a good actor? I feel like he's a good actor, but I actually don't know now that I think about it. 
He definitely is one of those actors who, like, most of what I've seen him in, he's played a similar kind of role. Like, if I think about yeah. Wilfred and Dirk Gently, yeah, very he's similar the exact roles. same character. And actually, quite similar in the other movie I just mentioned. I don't feel at home in this. Got yeah. some differences, but definitely. Yeah. I feel like he's like a Daniel Radcliffe type where he did the big thing, which obviously for Elijah was deep impact. Yeah. And for Daniel Radcliffe was Harry Potter. Um, and then just kind of has so much money from, you know, Deep Impact that he can just do whatever he wants. And I kind of admire that. Like, I admire yeah. having the money to chase whatever your creative passion is. Because he's done all these weird movies. Like, I don't feel at home in this world anymore. He did a recent one where he was, like, a guy going to his dead father's cabin to, like, check it out and, like, clean it up. I don't really remember what that movie was about. Yeah. I didn't even see it. But Although, I mean, if, if we're comparing him to Daniel Radcliffe, Daniel Radcliffe's done that way more hardcore daniel radcliffe's in the weirdest fucking shit these days have you like, seen swiss army man no but i've heard about it such a good movie the first movie i saw daniel radcliffe in after harry potter was a movie called horns which is where he plays a guy who just kind of grows who lives in like yes. a christian town and he just grows horns one day yeah i've heard about that one as well it's yeah. again it's like the kind of movie daniel radcliffe and it's not like i really like um swiss army man which is a weird as fuck movie but Horns is not that good of a movie, but it is really weird. And I feel like Daniel Radcliffe picked it just because it's weird. And he was like, I just have to do something to not be associated with Harry Potter anymore. <laughs> and honestly, I mean, he's done, he did that Guns Akimbo movie recently, right? Yeah. Which is the yeah. meme gun stapled hand movie thing. I think he's successfully he's distanced good job. himself. Yeah, he's, from he's Harry genuinely Potter. doing a good job setting aside the, you know, pre 19 year old Daniel Radcliffe from the post 19 year old Daniel Radcliffe. You do yeah. have to hand it to him, I think. No, when I think, when I hear Daniel Radcliffe now, I think weird shit not harry potter so yeah, like, I, I think, think you succeeded the, yeah when i hear someone say daniel radcliffe the picture that comes into my mind is that picture from guns akimbo where he's in the like bathrobe with the guns in his hands looking yeah. like a crazy person yeah yeah totally so good work daniel radcliffe anyway now that we've now that we've somehow pivoted from talking about elijah wood to daniel radcliffe offending mm. everyone everywhere probably yeah, yeah. Um, well i think that comparison is made a fair amount. Yeah, exactly. They have to expect um, it by now. <laughs> uh, back to the world of Deep Impact. Uh, the the first asteroid, no, the first comet. I, I keep calling them asteroids. Yeah. Um, the first comet hits, and so this is the small one, um, the the Beardman, and it lands in the middle of the Atlantic Ocean, uh, creating like a giant tsunami. And this is all like explained that that's what this one's going to do. The other one is going to hit Canada, uh, mm. and just wipe out like all life on Earth. Um. Anyway, so the bit where this this first comet hits was actually like genuinely like really good. Um, so I've skipped over the rest of it, but seated throughout the the rest of the movie up till now. Um, that reporter chick uh, I was talking about before, she's had this subplot to do with like her mum and her estranged father, and her father basically wanting to connect to her more and and her telling him to fuck off because he was a shit father. Um, and she basically reunites with him. Um last minute after giving up her place in these bunkers to her colleague who has a kid so that the colleague and the kid can can get in um and there's like then this fantastic shot of her reuniting with her dad on the beach and so like it kind of zooms out and you see the water recede as the tsunami comes and then this fucking mm. like 300 meter wave comes and just swallows them up as the camera continues to zoom out mm. and it was honestly just it's just a fantastic shot i actually got emotional which was bizarre because i kid literally not at all for the character up until that scene yeah. um so yeah like that, that was just a genuinely great moment that really stood out from the rest of the film damn um i mean then, tsunamis are like aesthetically interesting right like the shot of the shot of water receding on the beach is one that is 
always, I think, going to be quite chilling because it's this like yeah. primal thing that we as humans just kind of get, right? And, and you know what it is as well? Because when I was younger, the, the disasters that I heard about the most, I think, were tsunamis. Yeah, the Boxing Day tsunami was a big thing. Right. And yeah, and, yeah, and, and, it, and there was always a lot of like, it was big in Australia because it was so close to us. But also the um, the Japanese tsunamis I would hear about a fair amount. And yep. it's like, that one I think just strikes home to me in a way that like tornadoes and stuff and floods don't really as much. Maybe yeah. bushfires are probably the other one that hits home for me as an Australian. But yeah. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, I always find those chilling, I think. Yeah. No, th- well, yeah, this was like, you know, for a film that is, you know, made in the 90s and most of the effects haven't aged super well, although mm. it held up pretty well, this was a scene that still just, like, blew me away, especially because mm. the sky turns orange because mm. of, like, the meteor hitting and stuff. Yeah, the yeah. Comet. So I'm just going to use every word but comet, apparently. Um, <laughs> anyway, then, then from this, like, really great sort of emotional scene, um, we then cut to what I would just describe as, like, a CGI fest of uh, the tsunami hitting New York. Yeah, uh, nice. none of our characters are in New York. Like, there's no reason for this except it's it's kind of cool. I watching... mean, New York is the, again. New York is the, and I say again because we just talked about this <laughs> yeah. on a different show. <laughs> New York is the place that always has to be shown getting destroyed for any like apocalyptic movie. Um, yeah. you got to have the Statue of Liberty getting destroyed. Does that happen in this movie? Yeah, it does. And in fact, there's actually because because what happens then is then they cut to showing bits of the city underwater and they're just showing this random street and the head of the Statue of Liberty <laughs> nice. floats past. Like love somehow that, love that. that got detached. The twin yeah. towers get hit which um you know because it's the 90s um anyway so yeah so that's a whole scene that exists because they had budget i guess um anyway we cut back to (laughs) budget to burn (laughs) yeah Yeah. um so we cut back to like leo who's getting picked up um to be driven to the bunker um and there's like been a mix-up so sarah is uh, sarah's family isn't allowed to come with him and his family and sarah decides she doesn't want to leave without her family and that is allowed to happen, which is just well, frankly I mean, bizarre parenting. But I don't know. I mean, like, okay. So Leo's plan was to propose to Sarah to get her to come with him. That's right. He did kind of coerce her into this relationship, maybe. Right. Uh, yeah. Okay. Like, I don't know. Like, would you rather stay with your arranged marriage boyfriend <laughs> slash husband or your family? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, they they were meant to have been like childhood friends or something. Like, he he's, he's quite close with her parents and stuff as right. well. Okay. Um, like it was like their, their, their families were friends anyway. Yeah. Um, apparently not content to, with not being the worst parents out there after Leo and his family arrive at the bunker, Leo decides he wants to go back for Sarah and his parents let him, which it, like, well, that's even they've more made bizarre. that decision at the time. <laughs> they did kind of get rushed by the army men who were putting them in the, in the vans that were like driving them to bunker. But yeah. like, yeah, it, it's just, it's just kind of whack. Um, mm. so he, I guess walks all the way back to Virginia uh, from Missouri, where this bunker is. Uh, which I looked up a map of America, and that's a decent walk to to make in like two hours. Google Maps um, says the walk would take two hundred and ninety hours. In fact, yeah. the drive would be thirteen and a half hours. So <laughs> I think it's not possible. <laughs> anyway, um, I think the flight would probably be yeah. About I don't two think hours. he flew. Yeah. Um, anyway, so he he gets back home. Uh, he steals Sarah's dad's motorbike and figures out they're trying to get up into the mountains to avoid the tsunami. Uh, so he goes there. He finds them, like, stuck in this giant traffic jam that everyone is stuck in. Um, it, it was really funny to see what they put, like, all the cars stuck in this traffic jam. They've 
tried to make it look like everyone's packing their shit you know they want it to look hectic so all the cars are like super loaded up but if you really look closely like most of the cars have just like pool toys and inflatables on them which is like they're cheap and they take up a lot of space yeah exactly Um, when you set when you spent all your budget on new york detaching (laughs) the statue of liberty's head you gotta cut costs um anyway so yeah i just i just love this detail of like everyone's running away from the tsunami with their pool toys Like, these might be useful in case it catches up to us. If we don't quite escape it, we can ride in this little inflatable swan. At least we'll go out with some fun. Um. Anyway, so he manages to find Sarah and her family. Um. The parents can't fit on the bike, so they basically put Sarah and her baby brother uh, on the bike with Leo, and, and Leo starts riding the bike like up the hill to get away from the tsunami. So um, Sarah does decide to leave her family in the end, just not... Yeah in a good like she yeah just she could have left her family in a good way but she left him in a bad way yeah exactly and so then and then again there's another like pretty good clip of well good in the sense that like emotionally it worked on me of um her parents kind of embracing each other as they get hit by the tsunami damn um i don't know what it is about those shots but they were just working on me um all the tsunami death montages um anyway so sarah and leo make it far enough up the hill that they don't get got um and so the last we see of them that, is them sitting on the hill. Mm, that begs its own question of, of, like, why didn't these other people just get out of their cars and go up this oh, hill? Oh, they, they had a motorbike. Like, Leo was on the motor, So they rode the motorbike uh, up the I hill. See. So it was like, okay. I don't think they could have run that far. But the, the, also the parents didn't try. So um, You never know. And, yeah. Anyway, so then cutting back to space. Um, again, I skipped over most of this plot line because it didn't work for me at all. But um, the astronauts all got injured um when they failed to blow up the comet so like you know they just kind of been dropping the ball in every way possible um but they've been traveling back to earth kind of alongside the comet over the last few months and they realized that uh how are they still alive <laughs> uh, they brought supplies like this is how long the mission was meant to go oh um, i see okay so anyway but like one of them got blinded and and some one of them died and i think one of them got his arm hurt or something anyway mm-hmm. but they're all still so they're still looking and they realize that the comet so they're still next to the big one which hasn't hit yet but the one that's going to wipe out all life and they realize oh hey um it has a giant hole in it that we didn't notice before um from when it separated and <laughs> how long did it take them to notice this a couple of months um yeah. okay. and they realize they can basically fly in and use the nukes they have left over uh, to just blow it up but they don't have enough fuel to make it back out so they all unanimously like agree that they're going to do this suicide mission uh where they just sort of fly in and blow the the comet up from the inside but they had they so they had nukes left over though so they could have done other stuff for the past four months to try and you know do anything but they didn't the the timeline here is very confusing to me as well because they've been out of contact like nobody was sure if they were alive or whatever with the whole thing yeah maybe i'm wrong about the timelines but that was what i understood the timelines to be is this not a good movie <laughs> let's get there okay. um anyway so they they managed to turn their radio back on and like get be in contact with um houston for the first time in in ages and they talk to their families and and sort of say their goodbyes it's it's actually kind of emotional and then they go and blow themselves up um mm. and, and save the day like the the nice. comet doesn't blow up can i uh, sorry can i tell you something yeah have you heard of a tv show called 
the tiger king it's a documentary it's on netflix i've heard a lot about it over the last like week or two yeah it's really good i watched the first episode you should get into it it's it's like about wildlife Does this have any relevance no it doesn't it's about wildlife <laughs> in the u.s and how people are allowed to keep exotic pets and the like weird political interplays between these people who maintain and breed and, and maintain these private zoos of like big cats and other exotic animals it's just really really fascinating so i definitely recommend it yeah, I, I I haven't seen that, but I'll probably recommend it over this. Yeah, um, yeah, cool. Anyway, so yeah, they stop the second comet and then we cut to the final scene, which is Morgan Freeman um, standing in front of the White House being rebuilt and giving a speech about how they're going to rebuild because yep. things aren't that bad. They just lost a couple of million lives uh, yep. between Could've them, Africa and, and Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, my thought as I was like watching Morgan Freeman talk about how they were going to rebuild society after that is like that sounds like an interesting movie i'd watch that mm. and that made me realize yeah. the thing with this movie for me is that it's three good movies crammed into one average movie so the three movies are leo's story yeah the story the, of the, the reporter. astronauts oh the report oh yeah i forgot about yeah that. she oh, takes sorry. up a lot more of the screen time like you know how i hand waved over the whole thing with her and her yeah. parents yeah, that's yeah, a yeah. decent chunk of the movie yeah um, fair enough but like that's the thing. like i didn't really start to care about any of those plot lines till the people were actually dying at the end and i think that's just because it was <laughs> that's heartless. The, the way it was moving through them all it just took me longer to actually connect like i think right any one of these three plot lines just as its own movie probably would have been better it's it's like jamming them all in that just made me not really enjoy any of them as much. Mm. Um, mm. And then, yeah, so it's like it's three good movies crammed in together to make one all right movie. So, so what you would have liked is kind of like a, an anthology of short stories almost of like here's the short yeah. story about the reporter, here's the short story about Leo, here's the short story about the astronauts, you know? Yeah, actually, you know, I genuinely wonder if there's a cut of Deep Impact that's like all of Leo's story, then all of... Um, the reporter's uh, story yeah what's her name again jenny jenny that's it. yeah uh all of jenny's story and jenny then all Lerner. of yeah and then all of um the astronaut story mm. and, and like keeping them separate and seeing if that actually works better because i think it might yeah like just having three 30 minute sort of movies in a row fair enough anyway um yeah so that's deep impact um so the way to stop um comets is really suicide runs from astronauts i suppose and lotteries to help people pick who survives before we wrap up our show elliot of course time for our bonus bit where we dive into the comments of what people thought about deep impact uh what 40 years ago when it first came out oh that sounds about right 1996 reviews of deep <laughs> impact i was just doing the same thing i figured you already had them up when you started I did that not, bit no, i did not think it through before i made the joke um so here's a comment Wow, 45%. That's Yeah, yeah, I'm on the Rotten Tomatoes too. Uh, this is a comment by Michael Wilmington, the top critic at the Chicago Tribune, who says, why isn't it scarier? Maybe its targets are too scattered. Its final impact too shallow. Maybe director Mimi Leader couldn't locate the right overall tone. And maybe the two writers simply don't take the story very seriously. So I yeah, haven't I... seen the movie, but, you know, that sounds like a good critique of it. I, I would agree with that. Like, there, there's a weird lack of, like, the people freaking out like there's like hints that things have gone a bit post-apocalyptic in the weeks leading up to the the comets arriving but it's like barely touched on again it's just a movie that like bit off way more than it can chew Mm. a lot of these comments are making 
puns about shallow because the movie's shallow and that's the opposite <laughs> of deep. It's okay. It's okay joke. I like it. So good work, Dennis King of Tulsa World. Sorry, I we'll, we'll have to cut around this. I'm Google there's a like insane letterbox reviews. Right. Okay. There's that Twitter insane letterbox reviews. I'm trying to find out if they have a um a deep impact. Oh yeah, yeah. That's entry. Good. I'm gonna see Can't if Alan Dwight has a review of it. Oh that's a good one. Now okay, he doesn't but what he does have is a review of Parasite. And the title of this <laughs> Parasite review by Armand Dwight is Antifa Comedy for the Cancel Culture Era. Oh, and Jesus I, that Christ. That just sounds incredible to me. <laughs> then, here's the byline. Bong Joon-ho laughs at family and social ruin. What? Ooh, I haven't yeah. actually seen Parasite, but I know enough about it to know that... You should watch yeah. it. It's pretty good. I've been meaning to. Who, who has the time? Armand White says, Bong is an unfunny extremist. God damn, Armand White, you've outdone yourself in this one. I found a review by President Jay um, of who Deep Impact. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, who says, this is so much better than its twin sister, Armageddon, um, which points out that it has pretty much the same plot, which is why I kept... Cause <laughs> I hadn't seen either, and I, I was actually expecting when I sat down to watch Deep Impact the whole plot line of like the oil drillers being trained to be Bruce Lewis. Um, I think that's what happens in Armageddon. Anyway, so I'm glad that it's not just me being dumb that got them confused. It just sounds like they're just rip-offs of each other. Sorry, I'm very distracted reading this review of Parasite. <laughs> <laughs> he starts comparing Bong Joon-ho to... Um, to uh, wait, sorry, I need to pull up the name here. Uh, where is it? There we go. Okay. To Stephen Chow, another film director. Um, for some reason, it's never really quite clear why. I think because they're both Asian, he's just kind of comparing them. And so the final paragraph of this is, I'm just going to read it out. Millennial social satirists don't dare personal revelation. Bong repeats the same self-pleasing psychosis as in Call Me By Your Name, which is the first time that this movie is being referred to, and it's coming up now in the conclusion. <laughs> when the grifter Kim Va... I'm not going to read this whole thing. I've thought better of it. But this is a great review. Uh, you should all check it out. If you don't know who Armand Dwight is, he is just ridiculous. <laughs> I, he's valuable as a critic in that if he gives a movie a bad yes. score, I know it's probably going to be good. He, he reviews things opposite to what they are basically (laughs) is the description yeah Um, yeah exactly like you know it's an inverse correlation between the score he gives a movie and how much i'm going to enjoy it yeah god i'm looking through he's given some really good reviews to some interesting films (laughs) wow he really liked marriage story though so there you go oh no wait sorry i was looking at the the tomato meter for these movies that's why yeah, no, he didn't like marriage story i'm sorry i was like wow he liked little women that's weird and then i'm like oh no way no he didn't <laughs> he said the crazy boring laughable thing about greta going little women is the casual racism is merely the start of its problems <laughs> what a long review anyway wow meanwhile i i have um been staying on task i'm still going through insane letterbox reviews yeah uh here's a movie Sorry. here's yeah. a review for an extremely goofy movie which was a you know goofy disney movie you know yeah, goofy yeah. the dog yeah i know goofy the uh, dog, yeah. uh who and so daniel la has just said that um this movie is the origin of his daddy kink so, so that's sure <laughs> sure this is a great twitter <laughs> it's godzilla. insane letterbox right yeah yeah insane letterbox reviews godzilla king of monsters is the movie equivalent of Fortnite. <laughs> what does that even mean <laughs> Oh my god. Okay, I found the worst one on Armand White's um, reviews. Yep. So, the movie Serenity. Do you know the movie Serenity? It's got um, Matthew Wait. McConaughey in it. 
Not so the Firefly not, one. No, no, not the then. No, it has a. T- it's one of the. It's one of the very few movies that he's given a, a fresh tomato to. It's got a twenty percent score on on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> he really, and it's really a terrible movie. I can say. Oh, Peppermint, which has a twelve percent Rotten Tomato score on Rotten Tomatoes. Obviously, he's given a certified fresh to. Anyway. Is this show over? What are we doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess that's the end. Uh, I didn't even write an outro script, but um, I mean, if this is your thing, I guess head on over to patreon.com forward slash doofmedia and and sling us some money, um, because yeah. that's what keeps the network afloat and helps bring yeah great content, content that's like better this. than this. Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? Uh, to your to your ears. <sighs> yeah, I mean that's the episode, right? <laughs> uh, join us over. next time as we what? go even Hold deeper on. in deep impact we usually plug wabo's patreon so we should plug the patreon of who directed deep impact uh, it was like mimi lerda if that's correct that's a wild pull for me to have just got uh, yeah mimi we just Lita. read it like five minutes ago yeah okay so head on over to mimi leader's um patreon i'm sure it's she in has there somewhere. a kofi potentially Leader um. twitter let's see if there's a way to support her um is this her maybe unverified but it does look like her paypal isn't linked on her wikipedia we should contact her agent about that makes it hard to donate to her. oh well just uh just tweet your support at (laughs) people i guess all you can do in these trying times i hope everyone's having a good time this maybe it was a bit weird for us to do a have we actually said this is an april fool's joke yeah i mean is it because it's one of our longest episodes Look, I mean, it's gotten a bit out of hand. This is this is sort of an April Fool's joke slash apology for delaying pilot season slash, yeah. um, I don't know what the fuck. Yeah, um, who knows yeah. what this is? Yeah, support uh, Should we do Patreon. a discussion question? Um, yeah. Like, what What would you do? Um, or what do you think would happen to your life if the comet that was going to blow up the world was uh, named? Elliot, after we're getting you? too close to the reality of our current world situation. I think uh, we should fair. pull back on the reins a little bit. <laughs> um, I hope everyone's just having a good time and just being safe and happy and healthy and we love you all and have a great time and enjoy animal crossing it's pretty fun i'm really getting into it yeah i need to play it more it's so it's on switch and you can get it and there's so many fun things to do you can catch fish you can catch (laughs) bugs i've actually right in front of me i'm rustling the papers now to prove that they're here i've written down all of the fish and bugs that you can catch in march and i've got little green stars next to the ones that are going away and you can't catch them anymore once march is over which is tomorrow so i've got to catch them all tonight i just need to get a goliath beetle which is found on trees between 5 p.m and 8 a.m in the southern hemisphere so oh yeah better get on that yep i um i guess what well, we're just like completely engrossed in do the right thing energy yeah. um yeah true. i saw an i saw an article like a japanese company tried using animal crossing as their meeting platform like yeah. while they're all working from home and there was an aussie game dev studio that did the same thing oh really How'd it's it a wild them? decision to do right it, it didn't go well for the japanese company because when they hit a roadblock in a meeting they all just went fishing and then they forgot about the meeting yeah and the typing speed if you're not using the app yeah. you have to type in using the switch and you know it's maybe like half a wpm typing speed i think <laughs> yeah. yeah it's way slower than a phone it's really rough but a fun anyway, game overall yeah. so i'd recommend it anyway so this that's that's our episode that was on animal crossing thank yep. you for yeah if you're coming along See you next time for more Deep In, Deep Impact.